Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ladies and gentlemen, before the show starts, I want to announce a brand new sponsor of the show. That's right. As Bluey's not even looking at me at the moment, Cancer Me Now finally has an amazing sponsor. It is Papa macros, 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 ladies and gentlemen. And Bluey, tell me, this is your first taste of this fantastic food. Please let me know what you absolutely think about it right now as the people head over to papamacros.com.au. Here goes the blue. So I've got the steak chimichurri. Yep, very I'm fucking nice. starving. How many? How much protein was in it? 33 grams. 33 grams of protein. I'm let's go. fucking so hungry. Let's go, let's go. It smells ridiculous. Eat the bloody before. thing, Jesus. Sorry, 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 sorry. It smells great. Eat it. That's oh, fucking really good. Ladies and gentlemen, the best food delivered straight to your door. And if you order on a Thursday night, you'll get it for uh, the next week. I tell you what, I had some delivered to me the other day and uh, I ate it all way too quickly because it is absolutely delicious. But ladies and gentlemen, if you head to papamacros.com.au and use the code Isaac, you'll get 10% off and you'll be supporting the channel. So uh, thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. And now, welcome. To the Cancel Me Now podcast. Oh, we're live, we're live, we're live. G'day, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Welcome to the Cancel Me Now podcast. My name is Isaac Butterfield. This is Blue and Nielsen. He's here each and every week to discuss the important things that happen in the world. That's what I do. That's <laughs> what we do. And this week, we've got to jump straight into it because the story's been thrown around already. We've got absolute top bloke, all around nice guy, and wilderness man. Sure. <laughs> Andrew, the boys are asking me all afternoon, how do you pronounce this, last, this bloke's last name? I say Eucles. I thought you used to say useless. No, no, very useful. <laughs> no, useful. <laughs> Eucles, is that, is that appropriate? It, well, it's funny because like if you see it and say it, like some people say like, Uckles. That's literally you know, what I was going to say. A lot of people say that. You know, I go, is it Uckles or is it Useless or is it no? But it's <laughs> apparently it's, I don't know where the hell the names came from, but it's pronounced Uckles. Uckles. Or know. if you want to get elegant, it's Uckles. Uckles. Okay, so a bit of <laughs> French right. or a bit of uh, Spanish. 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 Uh, so. yes. Beautiful. So I know, yes. I know. Arriba. <laughs> <laughs> is that that's Mexican. Yeah. <laughs> that's racist. But, so, um, hey, go, mate. I'm doing well. I'm actually just trying to think. The last time that we had a talk, I know it was we had a birthday. It was Adam's birthday, 40th. Yep. yep. But before then, we had done a podcast, we and did. I believe I was in the Northern Territory, and I think this was during COVID times because it was Zoom. I think it was. It was right. That was back in 2019. 2019 yeah, or 20. It was a while ago. It has been. And it, you were you were playing. doing some top secret work that we couldn't talk about. That's right. Yeah. Um, but since then, you've been doing some more top secret work Mate. all over the world. You're just saying there's a there was a knife on the well, there is a knife on the uh, wall behind us here, a yep. K bar, an American K bar, and you said that they were a part of a, a trip you you went out to yes. um, Africa with. And it's it's funny because it feel that is like the start, that's like almost the catalyst of the conversation is mm. well, how the hell did I get there, and how did the discussion come to air in terms of getting to Africa. Africa's expensive. I don't know if you've ever been there before, but doing anything, we'll get to that in a second. Doing anything in Africa 
is going to cost you either everything in your wallet or your arm or your leg. So why, why is it so expensive? Because I imagine there's not that many. I mean, there's probably a few people going to Africa, but mm. I imagine the parts you went to. When, when you get there, the games begin. You are, you are in their playground. Okay. You're in their playground. Stop sexualizing Africa. Ah, I'm getting, am I right. supposed to be getting horny? Exactly. This is what's I'm going on right now. I'm going to try, so, try so and build hard? a suspense up. Okay, okay, okay. I talked to the CEO, the president of KBAR, and essentially... Uh, the first conversation I had with them was about a decade ago and essentially I'd been using like a lot of their knives and all that kind of stuff and I'd been trying to get sponsorship for all these years and I hadn't got sponsorship from nobody yep. at all. Um, I ended up reaching out to them and I know they just sent us like a whole bunch of free gear and stuff and I love using their knives and I, I talked to the president and I was just like, hey, look, I've got a bit of an idea. I ventured all over the world. I had a catalogue of all these different animal species that I came across and caught. But there remains one at the top of the list, not just in my category, but globally amongst people as being one of the hardest and most dangerous animals to wrangle. And he's like, right, keep telling me what's going on. Yeah, I'm, I want to know. He's like, yeah, <laughs> right. And I said, look, um, long story short, I was in Africa 10 years ago. I went there. I discussed it with you last time, some of the interactions I had and people being attacked by different animals and all these different animals I was going after. But there was one animal that I pursued mm. for weeks and weeks and end, evaded. It was elusive and I couldn't get close to this animal. It was just like always one step ahead. And I said, this animal is at the top of the bucket list. I need to get back to Africa to catch it. If it's the last thing I do, you know, people, some people have a thing on their list, like, you know, get married or, list, yeah. or have a have a house, have a child. This was catch this animal at all fucking cost. So I'm thinking, you know, big top five, rhinoceroses, you know, big bloody crocs, big uh, elephants, mm -hmm. big Like lions. a big cat, maybe. Big cat. Would, but yeah. they'd be easy to find. But then again, you know, trying to actually physically uh, handle or restrain any of those animals is just humanly impossible. Now, so I, if anyone's going to do it, it's you. Well, look, I was trying to keep this within the parameters of, okay, this is this is nuts, nah, this is wild, but it can still humanly be done. Sure. I'd been told from everyone there on the ground, which is most people like to take people's advice in life. I, however, go by different something different, and that is I only learn when I get bitten. <laughs> which is bad yep, which is really <laughs> bad you know um and so essentially i was told by environmental ministers rangers people on the ground everyone was essentially saying do not go head to head with this animal a i think it's highly unlikely that you're going to find one in the wild let alone trying to get your hands on one to, to give everyone a bit of an understanding of who you are and what you do sure. you once dressed up as a dead emu to catch a kangaroo that is correct <laughs> that's just that's a president's louis any questions <laughs> I mean, I've done some loose stuff, but that's right. You, you <laughs> that's dressed wild. up in, in the dead body of, yes. a, of an emu. Uh, given given the uh, the landscape of the, I wasn't in the city. I was in the bush, so yeah. it's partly digestible. Yeah. Just in way. the skin to catch a kangaroo. That's that's this. This is the type of human being we're dealing with right here. I'm so excited. Yes, I'm <laughs> so excited. I feel like that was a long time ago, and you know, you definitely got to grow on from those experiences. Those days are behind you. You reckon? Louis, this yeah. is what we're talking about right sure. here. I look at my. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know the funniest thing about that How good your rig too oh, Well I used to cut my own hair Yeah Yeah 100% Not that it matters when you're wearing a dead emu no. well, Who's cutting your hair <laughs> That's right <laughs> Yeah no one's going to look at you and go Bro that haircut what's, what's He looks ridiculous yeah. Look at his hair <laughs> Yeah Nah those were Those Fuck. were some wild times though Yeah, yeah. So, that's, so what, that's what isolation does to you right? I bet Yeah all living in Walgett Yeah but keep going <laughs> so, so you uh, You've been told by everyone Not to go and catch this elusive creature But you say no and you tell 
the, the CEO of K-Bar that this, not, this must be done. 100%. And I reckon, this is honestly what I thought, <laughs> I reckon he was in the room because I think there's some young guns that own own this uh, this this knife brand. They would have been there being like, oi, this guy wants to go and catch his fucking animal. They would have been, been drunk and being like, oi, let's just give him the money and just see him get fucked up. Yep. Like, literally, that would have been the conversation. Let, 100%. Let's, be like, let's be behind watching the demise of this guy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> literally, I think this would be like a great discussion. So they did. They sent me a whole wad of cash to yes. go and do this. Let's go. And I was like, it's fucking game on. Yep. Um, retrospectively, I thought it was going to take about four weeks. I thought, like, honestly, how fucking hard can this be? It can't be that. It can't be that. And <laughs> no. I've done a bit of, you know, I've done, some, I've done some good research into this. I thought it can't actually be that difficult. Like I'd caught many different species of animals. And when you put your mind to something and when you're in that space – um, you do become somewhat tunnel vision mm-hmm. and very good at thinking like the animal. Yeah. I can tell you from the day that I got there to the day before interacting with it, I was not one step fucking closer to catching him. Really? <laughs> and it took me four and a half fucking months. Four and a half months? Four months. And half, mate. And $40,000 later. Oh. K-Bar. Thank mate. you, K-Bar. K-Bar. Go and get us a K-Bar. Shout out to K-Bar. I want to take you to the K-Bar. <laughs> Rock the cable. Mate, right. I went to hell and back. And the quote from the entire story, and I kid you not, the hardest thing about pursuing and catching the hardest animal on earth had nothing to do with the animal and everything to do with the people in between. Right. So what are we talking about? Like poachers or? Oh, mate. The worst of the worst, yeah. Oh, yeah, right. Um, look, Africa's different. Um. Have you, you have you been to Africa before? No, never. Oh, okay, it's hard to explain. I'll try and break it down in a couple of different ways. So Australia is like very isolated on the rock that we are, and there's a certain even like in this room between us, like we might have different opinions and perspectives based on something, but our wavelength of knowledge and essentially the wavelength of how we look at life is generally quite similar. Like the values that we instill here as Australians, like most Australians, uh, is based on honesty and based on like trust and transparency and that forms part of our dna and our makeup you know uh, forming conversation and our relationship between different people now going to a place like africa it's a completely different operating system the people there think completely differently and it's almost like you know africa's been in a in a warp it's still almost as if their mind frame still sixty thousand years ago very tribal that very tribal mentality and trying to play a catch-up game with the Western world or the Western format, we've seen how dysfunctional this can be with certain cultures. We've seen this. And nothing more frustrating than going to Africa and seeing how the Western blend with the tribal mentality, how frustrating it can be. Uh, I'll give you a couple of examples. Yeah. I think I gave you an example last time to do with the ba- the baboon story, but the yes. guy was like, I'm an expert. And he almost got killed. Yeah. And it's the same. It's just like, mate, they, they, they <laughs> Sounds are, like something I'd they do. They are amazing. <laughs> they, are, they are, you know, a unique bunch of people. Well, is that and, like, you know, someone coming to Australia and there's a snake on the road and they go, oh, mate, I'll get it off for you. Right. But I think, look, their mentality is like a daily mentality. So yeah. it's like they can't see past dinner time. Okay. And so any conversation that they have with you is like in the present or it's in the day. Looking into the future, it's almost like they lack that kind of insight. But when you break it down to the way in which they lived mm. out there tribally in the bush, they only had to think day to day. And mm. they very much still have this way of thinking. It's not that they're unintelligent. They're very intelligent people. In fact, they're one step ahead. They're always one. They are always 
one step ahead. And so, like, but they will promise you a piece of the moon. Like, yeah. literally, they will promise you a piece of the moon and build so much confidence in you. And this is why it took me four and a half months to catch a fucking animal, right? Because there could be a jet across the road, like an F-18 jet. And you'll be with uh, an, an African guy from a tribe. And you'll be like, fuck, I need to get to Sydney. Oh, look, I'll pay you to take me to Sydney. And look at the jet be like, right, well, jump in the jet and I'll take you. That's the first time he's seen a jet. He's never even been in a plane before. The closest thing to any kind of flight experience has been watching the trailer of fucking Top Gun. Yep. <laughs> but yet he will sell you the confidence that he can fly that jet and take you from bloody Johannesburg to Sydney. I like the attitude. 100%. Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. Can get you a long way. Right. Can yeah. do attitude. And it's a great way of being able to exploit people as well. Fuck yeah. yeah. Fucking sure. nice. And that's how that's how that animal cost me forty thousand fucking dollars. Fuck. Right? I was literally chasing my tail around in Africa based on like <laughs> fake handshakes and false promises. Yeah. Like literally and I had nothing but to invest my trust into these people on the ground. And there were some people there that were amazing. But the difficulty was, it wasn't like you would go in to spot a fucking giraffe or an elephant or a lion. We're talking about an animal that was nomadic. It was solitary. It operated in the times of the day when people aren't awake. So between like 11 o'clock to 3 o'clock in the morning. So predominantly nocturnal. It has a home range of over 30 kilometers. Oh. It doesn't exist in one particular landscape or biome because of the diversity of its, of its diet, because of how many different things that it consumes. It can exist in a desert, in the rainforest, in savannah. So it can just constantly be on the move. It doesn't follow the normal pattern of an animal like a, uh, like a buffalo or like a deer or a goat or a fox or anything like that. You cannot pinpoint where this animal is going to be at any certain time or at, you know, there's, there's, there's a, a billabong or a stream there, so it's going to go there. Or, you know, this animal's retreating in a hole, it's going to go back there. This animal's like a butterfly. You're trying to catch a unicorn. It's just right? anywhere. Mate, wakes up in the morning and doesn't know where it's going to go to sleep. Right. And so you can't... Not a few bikes like that. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, it's, yeah, yeah. It's uh, incredibly difficult to try and capture an animal when you can't intercept it at yeah. any given point. And that's what I was dealing with. I was dealing with something that was always just in the mist. Fuck. Like a Loch Ness monster. Mate. They're, so probably, they're probably more common. How do you get to Africa? For starters, take us through that journey. I want to know all about this whole journey to Africa. Okay. Right. So, uh, before going to Africa, obviously, I got some good camera gear. So, this is obviously with all the sponsor. It wasn't just K-Bar. It was Aussie Outback Suppliers and a distribution company that got behind us. And essentially, they funded my way there. So, you're filming, you're filming this? Yeah, I went into yeah. film. Essentially, well, I, at first, I thought, you know, this is... This has got to be more than just, uh, you know, me going on this voyeuristic journey of catching a honey badger. Uh, this is to entail more of a story. And essentially, I thought... That is the animal, by the way, we're looking yeah. for. Is it a honey badger? Oh, sorry, I broke it out that way. Yes! <laughs> so it's a honey badger. Yeah, honey oh, badger. Oh, that's so fucking cool. And they've, and they've got such a reputation, right? That was killing me the whole time. I was like, what, what the, the fuck, fuck is, is it? Sorry, I didn't even start. I should have said it at the start. I already knew it. Green sorry. Tree said it to me and ruined the surprise for me. Bro, you were building it up so well. Yeah, a honey badger. That's why I was shitty. He just went... Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I went and That's still fucking cool, like, though. Yugles, you had us. You had Sorry. us at the palm of your hands. Ah. I'm still I'm still on tender hooks. Yeah. Honey badger. Yes. This creature. What does a honey badger look like? Go get yeah, get one up on the screen, you'll see. We have to you usually have to wait. Just make sure it's <laughs> make sure it's not Nick Cummins. Gabe's pretty <laughs> slow with the old honey badger. Or, or just with anything, putting it up. That's all right, we don't have to wait. Um I know I'm just picking on Gabe. <laughs> and well there's not we don't have anything like this animal in Australia. 
And there's nothing really similar to this animal in any other con- There's the bastard right there. There it is. <laughs> oh, mate. You still resent I honey badgers? Mate, I can't tell you. Well, look. Look at the size of the balls on him too. Right? Big canasters, eh? <laughs> what, really? Like big set of Lonzo's. Big skin that, tag. It's that really creature happening. there is... I see that now and I get PTSD from that. Really? Right? 100%, yeah. <laughs> mate, so when, why? I, when I ended up going one-on-one with one of those animals... I like to think in any given situation when I'm dealing with animals that I'm in control. This is the first time that I was. How big are they? They range from, I think the females get to around about 10, 12 kilos, but the males can get 15 to 18 kilos. And the one that I caught. Like a big dumbbell. The one that I caught was fucking, mate, this thing had been eating steroids. This thing was huge. Jesus. It's like before I went head to head with him, he ate a bloody zebra. This thing was massive. (laughs) It was, oh, it would have been about yay big, like that, and sat about. That high. And animals are just strong. Mate, I've never... The, the power in this creature, um, par for par, I had never dealt with anything like it before. I remember, long story short, when I got on top of him... <laughs> hey that When I finally got on top of him... Happy Mardi Gras. And I was <laughs> trying to pin him down. I mean, I was using every bit of my force... And every trick in the book in terms of trying to restrain him yeah. and all that kind of, all the different techniques. And this animal was just one, he's like the Africans, he was like one step ahead of me. And the way that he was maneuvering me into position to get, to try and bite me and, oh mate. Jiu-jitsu champ. And the funny thing about him is you can scruff, you can scruff a cat, you can scruff a a dog, you can scruff a fox, you can scruff a hooker. When you say scruff it, like get it by the scruff of the net. Right. I was. I, I, I know. Right, no, yeah, you can. You can right. scruff a hooker. You can make love. You can't. They're almost impossible to, to scruff an animal like this because they can move in their own skin. So let's just say, like, if you're holding like a cat or or a dog like this, it's only got restricted mobility, right? A honey badger. As soon as you grab it by the scruff, the scruff comes all the way up, and it can turn and bite you. <laughs> oh. So there's actually nowhere. There's actually no. And even when you're handling them up, up off the ground, the way that they can twist their mobility is there's actually nowhere you can really handle them. And you got so the, the the honey badgers are part of the muscular day family group, which incorporates the mongooses, the weasels, the stoats, the polecats, the ferrets. So if you've seen these animals before, you know how wiry they are, yeah. how flexible they are. Bit of me, mobile. Right? And there's almost nowhere on that animal, like even if it was all four of us in here, and I'm like, right, let's get on top of those. <laughs> we all, all four of us would get fucked up. Without a doubt. We'd all get fucked up and we'd all be on top of the table. That's the and Patreon that's, bonus. You've actually yeah. got one here for us to try and wrestle. Right. <laughs> and by the way, yeah. we were showing yeah. <laughs> That's great. Really? You know, Gabe, uh, for some reason, asked me this question um, when I was on my computer before. I was just doing some work and he walks in and he goes, mate. I was like, yeah, mate. He goes, you reckon you could take a full-grown pit bull? And I said, I don't know. Oh. I don't know if I could take. And on topic, do you think untrained? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, you're trained. Well, just wait. Okay. Yeah, sorry. Keep going. <laughs> could you take on a – well, this is a question Gabe asked. And I said, I don't know. Let's ask you, Do you reckon we could take a pit bull? Because they're fucking big. Okay, I'm thinking a couple of things in this. Please. So there's only yeah, there's only one or two ways to lock lock a dog up. Yep. Um, um, Finger in the ass is that still the go-to? <laughs> no, no, I don't know about that. Did one. you try that with the mongoose? <laughs> no, forty grand to I finger did. a mongoose. <laughs> I didn't catch a honey no, badger, but I, I molested it. Exactly, no, that's right. No, um, 
Look, I think what's difficult about trying to restrain a pit bull, I'm just thinking morphology of, of that species. Big, strong, no neck. They're very strong. No, but that's it. So that's the big one is yeah. the no neck part is um, the only real way, like if there was a German shepherd and even like a dog, like a German shepherd or something large, incredibly powerful, it's going to get you a couple of times because it will. But I think with all the adrenaline, speed and agility, if you get that animal into a headlock, mm-hmm. right, I mean a tight headlock. Will Smith, I am that's legend. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. If you get you, if you get him into a tight headlock, and I mean, because he's going to be in full adrenaline mode mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Uh, and you pin him. So if you've got him in a headlock, you pull him in close, and you drop your body weight on that animal, right? And so you're really got him in a pivot position. You can hold him to choke him out. Yeah. Yeah, you can definitely. Yeah, hundred percent. You, so you can hold him. Kids, on your way home from school. <laughs> G- Gabe can Just sleep well knows. tonight. Gabe now knowing well because he knows. Once again, you're probably going to cop a, a bite or two to the <sighs> forearm in, in yeah. trying to get into that movement. And you know, dogs, the way that they move when they want you is very fast, very shaky. Yeah. Uh, but I think in full adrenaline mode, you could get one into a headlock and restrain it. Yeah, dealing with something large like a big mastiff. Yeah, some of those dogs, man, they're like 90 kilos plus. Mm. Like even someone that was big and solid would be Struggle. completely, completely struggling. It's a weird but type of power, isn't it? It's like when people talk about chimpanzees, like they're like human size, but yes. enormous strength and power to rip someone's face off. And very fast. The mm. power is so... It's know, explosive. Explosive. You know, where I feel our power as explosive as it is, it's probably better off over a period of time. Yeah. You know, like more of like an endurance kind of power. And that's probably how we'd get the animal under control and, and get him into into a restraint. Outlast. Isn't him. that what they talk about with hunt, like hunting basically or or us as ancients, we would mm-hmm. follow an animal for... <laughs> how do you reckon you'd go there? <laughs> Jesus, that nah. is a big dog. Another <laughs> head on it. Is that even real? Nah, you wouldn't nah. be able to do it with him. Nah. <laughs> that be, dog would fuck you. Yeah, you'd be done. Yeah, he'd... Yeah. Well, humans would, would, would track an animal over a couple of days. Maybe yes. they'd injure it with a spear or something and then track it as it sort of succumbed to its injuries. Yep. But other animals take a, a leopard or a fucking cheetah. It's all about boom. It yeah. has to be done in that moment. Exactly. So humans have an amazing ability, particularly with our arms and all that kind of stuff. Like even if you look at any of the indigenous cultures, um, if the Kalahari Bushmen or even the Aboriginals, is they were very good at being able to carry utensils to go from point A to point B. So whether that was water or whether that was weaponry, um, you know, we were designed to go the distance and that's mm. where we've always had the upper hand as a species. And yeah, you're right in saying, yeah, it's, our, our mind frame is definitely based on that whole stamina endurance approach, um, which definitely outweighs pretty much any animal on earth because we can think, mm. you know, uh, yeah, into long game. In, in, yeah, in, yeah, into the long game. Um, but having said that with the dog one, that, that's an interesting one because you know, it's funny, the most animal attacks that happen around the world are domestic dogs, Sure, you know, and that's like at 95% or 97%. And, uh, it's always a massive, like, I always get really, really nervous when there's a toddler <laughs> and there's a specific type of dog breed. Yeah. I know people would criticize me as like, oh, you know, you know, pit bulls are the same as this. Yeah, it's true. But then you look at the capacity or the potential that a breed can oh, do. Yeah. Like look at your beautiful dog upstairs. If that dog was to go absolutely nuts and wild at a, at a five-year-old, I can pretty much say with very fast intervention, that child would be fine. Yeah. Different story if it was... Yeah, a full-grown pit bull. You'd also a full-grown be really massive. shocked if Littlefoot did it. You'd be like, that's... <laughs> so you're like, you wouldn't see it coming. But, yeah. a, but a pit bull, you'd go, right. 
you know, you often see that after a, a child's killed mm. or something. You see this massive dog 100%. and they're being let out and the, and the parents are yeah. crying. They go, I can't believe Killer did it. Yes. Yeah. Like, but, well, that's right. <laughs> you but see it coming. Even if you don't even, even, if you don't even take behaviour into consideration, take into consideration the structure of the jaw and the muscles of the jaw and the jaw. Because I've talked to vets like, about this kind of stuff and 100% they agree. They said, if you look at the muscle jaw structure of some of these larger pedigree dogs, which are essentially designed for fighting, mm. and you can compare that to a more conventional uh, domestic dog as like a Labrador, whatever it is, there's huge differences between mm. the bite strength, the signature bite force and all that kind of stuff and the damage which is imposed. Not to mention the type of behavior that comes into play when the animal is attacking. Yeah. Because I've seen dogs go into a fight with no fear, going to the death, you know, mm. and other breeds are somewhat more conservative where they'll bite or come like bite or whatever and then back off. But some other dogs don't have that feel. They, they just will remain until whatever they're biting stops. They just walk stops. in do it like, a hel- like a heavyweight. They just yeah, walk straight 100%. in without any fear. What should you do in it? Like, I mean, I, I don't know. If get you know. up high. If, what? Get up high. Yeah. Is that what you're going to say? Well, no, what would you do? If you said get high, I was like, I'm in. <laughs> you could do that. I fucking love if this you, guy. If you're walking your beautiful Labrador, little Larry the Labrador, yeah. and big fucking big Mustang Pitbull, whatever that means, it comes out. Looking for trouble, and not all pit bulls do this. I've met love my best friends. Hundred percent. Yeah. Not going to offend pit bulls, and, mate. And, and, they're, they're not watching. Yeah. And I don't want to put the breed down. I've, yeah, yeah, same thing. It all, it's the owner has a huge play, of course, in, in all this. So of course, yeah, let's of course. keep that. Yeah. What do you do to stop this uh, deadly animal trying to kill your your precious little Larry the Labrador? That's a good one. What do you like? Do you grab like the base of the ribs? No, okay. You- yeah. Okay. So the first thing I do. Yeah. So that's a good one. Um, if there's a dog in a fight and it's locking, and I know because I've had to do this before, you grab those back legs and you start walking backwards. So you want to take, you want to take the center point of gravity into your control, yeah. where you're making that dog unstable. So taking back legs and even twisting, twisting the dog. Uh, generally, they're going to let go. Problem. They're going to lash back on. They get, yeah. Well, as soon as they do that, because it's going to cause pain to the you know the back of the hips. The first reaction, knee-jerk reaction is they're going to turn and try and bite you. And that's, yeah, that's almost happened to me before. I was in LA. I'll tell you a story. So um, I was in LA walking down the main strip there. and there was Beautiful a, part of the world. Oh, unbelievable. Yeah. Another Just story. gorgeous. Well, the wild animals there. Oh, oh my God. Jesus. <laughs> Zombies. On, yeah. Oh, yeah. Some. Different. Um, different, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I ended up getting a dog off a lady and Jesus. it was based on that same thing. And wow. it was funny because she intervened, same thing. She had one of those cavoodles or whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, and yeah. she intervened. She was bit and it was holding onto her. And I grabbed back legs, lifted back legs up, twisted, and within a second he'd let go, but refocused on me. Yeah. Wow. Yes. So that is probably the best way of dealing with it. Otherwise, so what you know, do you do even, then? You even, put an even, emu suit on? Even what? punching... But even like hitting a dog that's in that state, man, they just don't nah. feel it, eh? They're Not just, the head anyway. Nah, it's different. They're just, they're locked in a different the balls? mindset. Well, you squeeze yeah. the balls, surely. You, well, that could work. <laughs> yeah, it definitely could work, but you might get a different reaction yeah. too. <laughs> might shag you. Might, yeah. <laughs> you might get dog cum or what? <laughs> yeah, 100%. I mean, well, it's better than getting well, bitten. What about if it's a female? Then you're truly stuffed. Well, is it, would you rather get bitten or mauled? Uh, come on or mauled? <laughs> I, no, it's a genuine question. I, I would rather... Not by me. <laughs> I'd rather get I'd rather get mauled than come on. Okay, cool, yeah. cool, um, cool. 
Well, I don't know. It's just like we were walking the dogs the other day and this big fucking giant thing comes walking out because the neighbours, not the neighbours here, but the fucking neighbours up the road were dumb cunts and they just let their giant, terrifying dog walk over. And I was like, all right, what do I do? I can see it's balls. Do I grab it? The dog was fine, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is what was running through my head. I was like, do I grab? Do I, you know, do I had, had the dog done anything yet? No, or? no, it was just oh, chilling. But oh, I was like, what oh, if it just hadn't been to sex? What if it was like, can I do something to my beautiful Rosie or little foot? And I was like, I'll kill this thing. I'll fucking rip its eyes out. I don't give a fuck, right? But what do you go for first? And I think the, the, the tip and spin. Oh, tip and spin. Tip and, the old hit and spin. The old yeah. tip and spin. I think that's the, only, that's the best way to it do is. it. It is. Until the other dog gets, uh, you know, pulled from that situation. Then you've got to yeah. figure out what you're going to do. And then you just fucking cop it. Well, you cop it. Like, I think people's natural reaction is to kick when a dog comes at yeah. them, is to kick the dog. <laughs> that sounds a bit No, no, no. I understand but what you mean. Literally yeah. the Coming natu- over for the a lick. Natu- yeah. Because yeah. that's the best way of keeping distance on 100%. the animal. Um, generally speaking, whenever I've seen dogs go into a dog fight, they're more inclined about attacking the other dog than the person which is trying to reframe them from. You sure. know? But it's a lot of times people get bitten trying to get in between. Get in between them. 100%. So my case now, if you do see a dog like that and just cross the road, just try and get as much distance as possible because, yeah. Don't go some, out looking some, for trouble. Yeah, pretty much. So, but, and that's a, and that's another thing. Like, And I've said it to people before. I remember there was a guy walking a dog. Uh, I think he had a dingo. <laughs> it's not your dingo. But um, <laughs> um, a guy had a dingo. He was walking on the street and I went to pay. He's like, oh, don't pat my dog, mate. Bite. And I felt like saying, listen, if your dog can bite... Why don't you have a muzzle on it then? Yeah. If it's so much of a public safety that you have to say that when I'm approaching it to pat it, right? You should have a it should muzzle. Should be muzzled. It, it should definitely be on a lead or, as well. Yeah, exactly. A hundred percent. Man, when so, we when we first got Rosie, she's a rescue greyhound, and they used to use her uh, to basically pull red blood cells out and put back into other dogs after it had been treated. So she was a bleeder sort of thing, which was pretty fucked up because uh, you just basically get drawn blood out every every single day. She saved a lot of lives. I think it's awesome. No, it's just so they could run fast. Oh, oh, that's not good. Oh. I thought you no, meant they were like. No, no it's like blood she was like donating no. blood, blood doping and cycling. So they'll take. So she was good. So she was good. So, so she, she was quick. She, no, she never ran because she was too weak from giving blood all the time. <sighs> Josh. Anyway, wow. so when we got her, she had to wear she had to wear a muzzle everywhere. Right. Ah. She's never violent or never aggressive. Don't fucking talk about this. <laughs> I'll, I'll bowl you with this plastic bottle. <laughs> Um, never violent or anything like that. Like we, when we first got it, they were all like, "Oh, just be careful." Greyhounds are known to bite, yeah, because a lot of them were live baited and all that type of shit. Mm. And she, the first day we had a, my uh, my housemate Taylor had his uh, niece and nephew over, and they both went and laid on her, and she just looked at him like, "Fuck you doing?" And then went back to sleep. She was su- yeah. super cool, yeah. but she had to wear a muzzle because this was the law at the time. Yeah. And I remember this this little girl like went to pat her, and then the muzzle. Scared the mother and she reefed the kid away, like, don't go near her. Like, yeah, like that's crazy. Yes, because I know what she's like. But then you see these other dogs are out there mm. at dog parks, and you hear about this all the time at dog parks mm. big fucking giant. We may as well pick on pit bulls because that's what we've been doing the entire show. <laughs> yeah. Big pit bulls, <laughs> yeah. the, the deadly dogs yeah. coming after, going after little fucking whatever Pomeranian right. bloody puss dogs. Yeah. They're going after those all the time, and they don't have to wear uh, mm. muzzles at all. It's mm. quite strange. Mm. You would think that. It would be a dog by dog, yes. Um, situation. You right. just judge the dog like someone should come out and judge your dog. I don't know. I guess mm-hmm. that opens up to a lot of other issues. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, well, having dogs without muscles, muscles, muzzles, mm-hmm. if they are violent is, or right. if they are aggressive, is probably a problem. Well, another I heard of another interesting philosophy on raw is you know having like any of these larger breeds that have the potential to cause harm. Yeah. Um. You know, 
it's almost like a caliber system, almost like dealing with a weapon. Is it one of those things that you have a licensing system in play to make sure that those people are aware, prepared, um, you know, know how to deal with those animals and all that kind of stuff? Because this is the unfortunate thing is that now this is sticking up for the people's is unfortunately they end up in the wrong people's hands. And generally the people that treat them bad, generally the people that want that kind of image and all that kind they of stuff. They usually look yeah. like them it, as well. It's a, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's almost like they want um, you know the animal to represent an extension of their personality. Definitely. And their personalities are, yeah. Um, Fuck, what does that say about my personality? I've got the biggest two sooks of greyhounds I've ever <laughs> I mean, yeah, spot on, perfect. right? <laughs> it's absolutely spot perfect. On. <laughs> but... Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, I think the uh, the owner uh, comes down to it massively. Well, you don't need to muzzle an aggressive Jack Russell, but you do need to muzzle an aggressive giant dog. Mm. So, we got hugely sidetracked there. We were talking about Africa and how you got to Africa and what the trip to Africa was like. So, let's talk about this skin that moves. Let's talk about wrestling dogs. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to know. So, these giant bloody um, honey badgers, they move in the skin. So, is this like a bean bag? Like, it's moving around? Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good example. (laughs) It's a great example, right? It's pretty much like a bean bag moving. (laughs) And the interesting thing is, all the while, this animal is just constantly reminding you of its teeth. Like, it's... (laughs) That was the ground. They call it the rattel because it sounds like a rattle. Just showing its teeth. And it also releases like an odour, like a skunk. It looks kind of like a skunk. It does, with the black and white. Yeah. Right? yeah. And what's interesting is, if this wasn't enough of a warning, it's the kind of animal that walks in a straight line and everything gets out of the way. Like uh-huh. even an elephant, because they just they know not to deal with this animal. And I think it's interesting psychology. You see, most animals, and even humans, we've got fight and flight, they get split in our brain. I'm telling you with this animal, it was about 99% fight. I've never dealt with anything. And so when I actually when I actually got into a position, so what had happened was over four months, I went to all these different countries. I went to South Africa, Zimbabwe, Zambia, Tanzania on this quest. And I ended up going to a place outside of the Kruger National Park. And a lot of the animals filter into like the residential land there that are essentially uh, problem animals for a lot of the farmers. They call it like a lot of like human animal conflict, kind of like around here, like how a fox goes and mm. goes mm-hmm. to the chickens. And so I met up with a couple of farmers and they'd have problems with, um, very similar to a fox, it's called a jackal. Okay, um, jackals and mongooses and civets and badgers. And I said to the farmers, I said, listen, if you have any way of being able to contain one of these animals, I've been after one for a fucking lifetime. I said, please, I'll pay you whatever it takes. Just try and get one. And this guy was like, yeah, look, we've had a problem badger coming around here for like the last couple of months. And I've, this is the, the African problem. I was like, mate, I've, I've fucking heard this a million times before. Oh, no. I heard this a million times before. I said, look, here's my number. I said, if this thing shows up, you're able to contain it here in the chicken pen. I said, you give me a call. That next day, I'll get a phone call at five in the morning. He goes, is this is it German guy? He goes, oh, is this Andrew? I said, yeah, it's Andrew. He goes, oh, got something here. I said, mate, and this is after four months of hell. I said, are you trying to tell me you got a honey badger? He goes, mate, I'm looking at him. He's in the chicken pen. He goes, oh, hey, you better get here quick because it's trying to get out. Yeah. Right? Um, so anyway, I went there. Obviously, I'm now in a period of not just shock, but just ecstasy because I'm just like, I've been waiting, like, I feel like my entire life for this interaction. And I'm going to be honest, Isaac, I hadn't really thought of what was going to happen 
when I had that interaction. My brain just wasn't even there. I mm. just wanted to... Well, after four months, it's, it's yeah. a massive build-up. Yeah, and like even like in the whole build-up to wanting to catch this animal, I'd never really thought, well, what's going to happen? What are you going to do with it? Like, yeah, what's, what's going to happen when I get there? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, what are we going to do when we get to the honey badger? 100%. <laughs> and so I remember I got there and there it was in a chicken pen just going up and down and up and down just trying to find a way out it's just real cool calm and collected and i thought oh, okay that's fucking interesting <laughs> <laughs> anyway i said to this guy i'm like right so i want you to film right no matter what happens you just keep that camera rolling and he's just like okay he goes mate are you sure you want to get in there <laughs> That would have been so much that's better in his German accent. Yeah, too. yeah. Are you sure yeah. you want to you get sure? in there? Yeah, are you sure you want to get in there? Uh, and I said, yeah, like, you know, I've been waiting for this. And so he goes, hey, have you dealt with an animal like this before? And I'm looking at it. I'm like, well, not this one specifically, but, you know, I think I can, you know, I can manage. And the guy just says to me, he goes, mate, I don't think you know what you're up against, eh? Like, tr- I really don't think you know what you're up against. And at that point in time, I can hear my heart beating. You yeah. know what I mean? Like literally, because now I'm starting to get, and I don't normally get nervous. I'm really starting to get nervous. And I said to him, I said, oh, well, look, let me just go in there and just feel it out. And uh, I'll, I'll see if I can get this animal under control. You're a lunatic. Right. And see if I can get this animal under control. Right? So anyway, it's quite, it's a bit bigger than this room. The honey badger? It, no, the no, pen. The, oh. uh, the, the pen. And so um, anyway... It's in the far corner. I remember this like it was as it, as it was going from side to side. I'm having this conversation. Only once did it just like glance over its neck and have a look at me. You know what I mean? Like only once. It's not worried about you, mate. No, nah. it was not concerned. Anyway, um, so it's focusing its attention. It's trying to get through the corner of the cage, and I come through the door. And it's funny because it, it was almost like out of a fucking horror movie. As soon as, as, soon as I <laughs> closed that door and locked it behind me. This don't lock it. This <laughs> well, I didn't want it to. I, honestly, I'd waited for this moment my entire life. Yeah, it was not, sure. It, it was not going to escape. It, it was. This was a jail. Okay, right. But this was a jail. Only I, one of us is coming right. out. <laughs> Hell in a cell. So you got to climb right. out. Hell right. in the chicken coop. So he had he had some like milk crates in there and like a forty four gallon drum and all that kind of stuff. So there was a you know a couple of things in there obstacles I would call it. Anyway, he was over in the corner and as soon as I closed that door behind me, it was like I have a horror movie, mate. This thing just stood there in the corner and just went 180 with its head and turned his head back. <laughs> like, and I mean like slow as if like, <laughs> like this, like literally as if saying this guy didn't just come into my chicken pen. This is my pen. Anyway, calmly, it literally, it waits for me to fully get to a point where I'm away from the door. Because it knows, you know, you're not getting out. It, well, it, no, it was, mate, it was smart. As soon as I walked out from the door, it calmly, it went to the other side. And then all of a sudden, it fucking sprinted to the door. So it's cornered me out. So I can't get out now. Oh, so and it got between you and the door. It got between me and the Fuck door. Fuck off. And then this is a smart it, animal. Mate, intelligent. Yeah. Problem solver. Calculator. Oh. Never dealt with anything like it before. And from that second on, it was doing everything to make sure that I couldn't get out of that. <laughs> I was screaming. I was yelling. I was, mate, I was trying. The every, hunter became over. the hunter. I was like trying to climb up the sides of the chicken pen. Oh, it was a fucking... It was like having Mike Tyson in there and I'm just screaming, running around, literally. Oh it was fearless. God. I never dealt with anything like it before. All it wanted to do, all it wanted to do was to just continue biting me. 
Mate, I know I've ne- I don't think I've ever moved so quick around an animal, and mate, it was unbelievable. How's it, how it coming at you? Is it crawling at you? Is it on its back? Yeah, so, legs so, or? so they crawl. No, but but fast, like uh, the same speed as like a Jack Russell. So imagine like a Jack Russell in there, <sighs> going and, at you, mate, and just going and going and going. Fuck. And what they what they what they like to do is they like to go for the center point of gravity. So they're always trying to bite upwards. Yeah. So like your groined area, quite oh, literally. Oh my god. Um, can we see this? Yes, I'll be released. So. This is. Oh, where's this come from? When did you pull that up? I'll just go. Oh yeah, that's. From it's been leaked. I was, going to, I was about to say, hey, where has that gone now? Or has that been cropped? Uh, that's from the Illawarra Mercury. Nice. That's yeah. That, so that's that's him. Wow, that's that's fucking badger. huge. Yeah, he's a monster. Was that oh, him, yeah. mate? That's a honey badger. That is a monster. That's that fucking massive. A- Incredible creature. I, now I've you got look a, relaxed. I, I, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you look pretty chill. That, that creature there needs to be the ambassador of Africa because yeah. I don't think I've ever came across anything in my lifetime that comes close to that animal. There, it's so, the same size as yours. I, well, I was pulling it out a little bit. It's it, almost it was like a little bit, like the fisherman like, photos, like, like where you hold it real close <laughs> to the camera. But it would have been about eighteen kilos. It so, was a it was a big animal. So pr- prior to this story, my only knowledge of the honey badger was Nick Cummins. Like Nick the, Cummins, the, yes. And, yes. and the story that he told about why he named himself the honey badger. Relentless. But they're relentless, what? unstoppable. Determined. They got no they got no, no predators, no fear. Yes. And the story, he saw the video, Gabe, this is your cue. There's a video of one being attacked by a lion and it claws yes. the lion's nuts off. So the lion gets on what? top of it. Yes. So the lot, this is, and this is why these things are, this is all I knew about honey badgers until this. Yes. But this is why these things are so gnarly. So this lion apparently gets on top of the honey badger and has it done and the honey badger just won't give up and claws the lion's nuts off like you're saying it's always biting up. Mate. Claws the lion's nuts off and gets away. If I can only think you get away. And then Nick Cummins watched that and went, I'm a honey badger. <laughs> I've watched a clip, free leopards trying to get on top of one. And what? It, and it manages to shake the free leopards. It, it's a clip going around social media at the moment. Yeah, so this can we watch it? Is that fearless honey what, badger takes on six lions. He's going on, he's going on for lions now. And the lions are just having a bit of fun. Imagine having a bit of fun no. and you lose your nuts. Yeah. So it's trying to just chew yeah, its fucking yeah, head. It'll try. And it's like, fuck you. Yeah. And it's like, fuck. And then this bloke turns <laughs> up. Is that you? You're looking rough there, mate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> think, yeah so right. it, you see, yeah. So it will just keep going though. And the funny thing about it is it actually won't back down. No. No, no, no. It will not back down. It, it does look it, like a skunk, it, doesn't it? It will not take the option of running away. It's like a... Little fucking and the, yeah, the, right. This bloke goes. I'll give it to you. And what will happen eventually is those lions will just get sick and tired. And yeah, the lions they start backing off. Yeah. Of it. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that funny? This giant. there's another one. Oh, now it's yeah. a. What would you have done if there was two of them? I would have been. Well, I wouldn't be. Oh yeah, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you'd be fucked. I'd be gone. Yeah. But look, it was. It represented an animal to me. Like there were so many different parts of that animal that I, I felt I look in an anthropomorphic way I could really connect to. Nice, you know what I mean? Like just the whole being persistent. You know what I mean? Like that, and that was one of the things about this documentary is I originally went in with the main goal of just to catch capture a honey badger. I think did I send you some? Pi- I did send you, you did. some pictures. Now I couldn't release those pictures to the media. I can't. Yeah. Uh, because part of the documentary was about actually going in there to film a lot of the illegal wildlife trade. So could could do, we have a look at those and on the screen but not show? Um, or no? Nah. I'm just nah. trying to think how I could send you. I've, nah. I've, I've got... <laughs> it's, it's, it's easier to I, not... Oh, we just don't want to get... Is this going out? Like, I could, I could, I could send, the, I could send you those pictures and ones that you could use. Could you for, not for your podcast? Could you not show? Yeah, I can definitely not show. 
I can send them to you. Yeah, I can. I can send you just the pictures. <laughs> I can show the pictures, <laughs> or I can show all this leopard video. <laughs> oh, is this it getting away from three leopards? Right. You watch. Oh. I think this this fight goes on for a while. This is just recent. Yeah, well, maybe if you could send those over to Gabe, just to Gabe's laptop, um, and yeah, we won't show because they yep. can't be released. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can definitely do that. Yeah, yeah sick. Um, yeah, this will probably go on for a while. What's he doing? Oh, he's chasing. He's chasing them off. Yeah. So even when the animals do give them an option and they're like, right, I'm going to back off, it's still like, well, no. Mm. Yeah. You know, like, I'm going to. You started this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. You wanted this, mate. And it's funny because I feel like many other ways the animals are just play fighting with it, but it definitely takes life serious. <laughs> and look, look at just strut away. That's what they do. Like, the confidence on them, the tail in the air, just like. Doo, 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 doo. I'm, I'm just having a look at some of the photos you did send me. I want to be called the honey badger from here on into. Yeah. Yeah, some pretty cool but, photos. Yeah. So I ended up doing a documentary of talking to, you know, a lot of the rangers, a lot of the police, a lot of the army, a lot of the people in which, not all, but a lot of the people in which are involved in the corruption. Because this is, it's a systemic corruption through Africa. It's just a way of life. It really is. And it got very disheartening talking to a lot of people within the conservation space saying, you know, the same people which are out there supposed to be protecting these animals, the rangers, are actually the ones which are giving tip-offs to really? the poachers or are not just indirectly, but directly involved in the movement and the trade of all the animals. And not just that, there was a vet that got caught a couple of years ago. I think it was just a, uh, just a white vet, you know, uh, very well known, da-da-da, this and that. And essentially... He was selling off all the animal parts. So when an animal would die yeah. or it was sick, the whole premise is, uh, you know, we have to remove this animal from the national park because it could have a disease or a virus that could pass on to the population. I've got to remove it and stuff. But he was just going and just selling that on the black market trade. It was yeah. He was double dipping. Wow. You know what I mean? So the corruption and the uh, the dishonesty runs very thick. It'd be big um, money. Well, like, what is the what is the money chasing over there? It depends who they're selling to in, ter okay. in terms of their clientele. It depends on what they're trying to sell in terms of like if it's ivory. Like the marketplace where I went to, uh, a lot of animal skins. I've showed you some of those pictures. Like anything that you wanted, they yeah. literally, they had a list of everything, every body part and the relative cost. So you could go in there and be like, oh, well, I want an ostrich leg. And they'd be like, <laughs> right, well, that's it. Yeah. So that's going to cost you. X amount. On the Rolodex. Or, yeah. yeah. Or you want a hyena paw. Okay. Okay. This is going to cost Well, I, I'd probably want, like, if anything, I'd, I'd want an elephant's tusk. That makes the most sense, right? Well, and it, it's interesting because- What are you laughing at? That, I would. I thought you were joking. Well, that's, no. What, what, that's, what would you well, want? I think, well, aesthetically, in, They're a, lot of, in a lot of cultures and yeah. stuff, like Big that, elephant rep tusk. that represents value. It represents wealth. I've got a buffalo head right? on the wall. But yeah. in other cultures, it's also used in traditional medicine, medicine. Sure. right? Which was actually a huge focus on the documentary, and I thought it was really fascinating because I said, "Well, hold on. Well, how are these? Oh, I don't, I don't get it. What do you mean?" And they're like, all the different animals which are out there, whether morphologically, so the way in which they look or the way in which they behave or their ecology, so on how rare they are, denote a certain characteristic or um, value system on what you attain. So, for example, um, if you want more power and more strength in your life, you will have parts of a buffalo yeah. or eat parts of a buffalo. This is traditionally, this is what is ingrained into the culture. Isn't and and like, still today, if you want to, um, if you want more luck in your life and da da da, then they will essentially give you like the pangolin scale, scales, which right. are the, one of the most extinct animals on earth, on the really? verge of extinction. And that's why, because 
finding one is, is very rare. Lucky. And what so about that the, the crushing of the um, is it rhino horn? That's good for boners. Horn. Yes. Well, it's good for you know sexual stimulation, mm. or could be good for. Now we're talking about all these animal products, are uh, all obviously all natural products, but uh, a rhino horn is no different to the toenail of mm. a rhino, which gets discarded in the field. So they'll take the the horn, but they won't touch the rhino, even though it's keratin. The same thing with your fingernails. Now. Ultimately, there is no, there's no proof from any of the research that they've done medically that any of the products that they're using contribute or alleviate any of the medical problems mm. which they might be diagnosed with. A problem with the liver, they'll eat the liver of a kudu. Why? Because a kudu can eat anything and it's going to strengthen your liver. So everything denotes a certain characteristic to how it's going to yeah. help you, which I found so fascinating because I was just like, well, this is completely ridiculous. This is stupid. And the guy, there was actually an environmental minister that I was talking to, he turned it back on me and goes, well, talking about values and beliefs, he goes, well, what do you believe in? And I was like, well, what do you mean? Well, I was brought up in like a Catholic, you know, household. He goes, oh, right. So you believe in an invisible God in the clouds that sets tendrils. <laughs> yeah. If you break any of those tendrils, then you go down the hill and you burn for eternity. Yeah. He goes, now, you tell me. He goes, what sounds more ridiculous? Yeah, 100%. When you put it like and that. I, and I was just like. Give me some rhino horn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's interesting to see that what someone believes in and what their values in, you can't break that from them. And a lot of the time, it's got nothing to do with the intelligence or the education of the people. But then I switched it back on him and saying, well, me, be, me believing in, in, in an invisible God in the clouds doesn't have any kind of detriment to the environment around me. We're now dealing with one of the fastest extinction rates. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's of animal species anywhere in the world here on this continent, right? And what has been done? Nothing's been done. You know, want to know why? Because he called it out saying, oh, it's, it's all the foreigners coming over and getting the animal products from this airport, which I won't name. I clocked it. It took me about... 35 minutes on foot to go from the airport with these huge signs saying illegal this, illegal keep out for poaching and stuff to walk into an area which was almost completely public viewing space, walk into the back of a marketplace and had every African animal that you can think of which had been poached there for sale. Wow. Not just dead, but oh, many alive. alive as well. Wow. Vultures, tortoises, snakes, you name Fuck. it, it was there. And if you wanted it, they could organize it. If you wanted parts of a gorilla, we could organize it. Anything. Human body parts, 
That was another one. Human What? Yes. Now it's getting, yes. So what and, you and now this is where it gets dangerous, you see. Yeah. This is where it gets, because the same syndicates that work in the circles of um, syndications of, of poaching, poaching yeah. and illegal wildlife trade also fits into the illegal movement. Well, it's all organised crime, isn't it? Weapons. Yeah. Drugs. Human yeah, trafficking. I, and I saw, I saw all of this. Fuck. So what what type of human body parts are we talking about? Oh, we're talking. Well, you know what's interesting? I think there was a documentary that was done on it before, and it was to do with the albinos in yep. Africa. Have you seen that? How they use different really? body parts in the albinos, it could yeah. be like the ears or the fingers and all that. I didn't see. I didn't see that, but it was going on. Wow. You know, uh, once again, if that's what you believe and if that's your value and you hold every bit of belief in that, you cannot strip someone from. It comes back to what you sort of said at the start, how the guys are just in that frame of mind of only thinking as far as the end of the day. It's that cultural thing of like, like we think it's so fucking loose. Yeah. It's just how they, See, it's disagree. just what the boys do. Like, it's just what they're up to. I disagree with both of you. I don't think they should mm. kill humans and sell their body parts. <laughs> <laughs> but it just, must have been. Just what they do, mate. It's just horses for courses. It must have been pretty full on. Was there a moment there where you, 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 you know, obviously as someone who cares about conservation and the environment and animals, mm. is there mm. was there a moment there you saw that was a bit all too much or was it all sort of, were you used to it at that point? At that point in time, there's nothing sustainable about it. That's for sure. Yeah, there's nothing sustainable, and I feel like there's nothing. People are gonna hate me for saying this. There's nothing really wild about Africa. Everything in Africa is essentially contained in fences or in buffer zones, and the reason is because the poaching is so bad. They have to protect it from everyone. Right. You know what I mean? So these animals are literally in one big zoo. Yeah. Everywhere. Within the national parks, it, it, it is incredible to see the amount of management which is on the ground. And when you're watching documentaries, what you don't see is you don't see the other hundred fucking tourist cars. You don't see, mm. oh, it's unbelievable. And look, I spent time out there with like the anti-poaching units and all that kind of stuff. And it's just, you get to a point in time where you're looking at people and you're kind of thinking, well, fucking, mm. whose side are you on? Did you spend any time with poachers? Because I saw a ranger. Yeah. Right. I'm not going to mention where, but I saw a ranger, right, with a pangolin in a potato sack. And I asked him, I said, where are you going with this? Oh, I'm moving it away from where the tourists are. I said, from, I said, why? He goes, oh, because, you know, uh, the sensitivities around this species and da-da-da and this and that. And I was just thinking to myself mm. in the back of my head, I said, you are not removing this from you. Mate, this is going out of the park and into the black market trade. Yeah. Because reality of the day he gets paid and there's no lie i think they probably get paid about there's one there uh he gets paid about three dollars a day maybe or two dollars a day whereas he can go and sell that on the black market for a couple of months of work yeah, yeah. So, so the what's the uh, not desire the um incentive inse- yeah the incentive to do the right thing it's quite like, low when you can just sort of uh, yeah. Like like any sort of um, any crime, mm. there's usually that massive. That's why you get making that cash because it is illegal. You are breaking law. You are risking things. Mm. What's so the um? You talk about sustainability, and they talk about like people that go to Africa to do like the canned hunts. Yep. Like you know, is that I saw? What, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like what's that practice like? I only I only, like, you only see the pictures of the fucking fat bloke sitting there with a rifle and a, a line. There, there are a lot of people that defend it because a lot of that money does go into conservation. Well, it does. That? And the funny thing is, if you look at the national parks, a lot of them, the way in which they're set up, so you'll have a national park which is here, and then on the outskirts of that, in some places they have what's called the GMA, which is a game management area. Uh, which is essentially a filter zone to the national park, which is still managed by the national parks with rangers. And then on the 
outskirts of that, you'll have all your hunting reserves, okay. which are privately owned. Now, if something's worth value to you, let's just say livestock here in Australia, what do you do? Well, you protect it. You set up offences and all that kind of stuff. So if you're running a hunting reserve mm. and you've got buffalo or wildebeest or plains game out there and stuff and you've organized clients coming in from the u.s spending big money this is your livelihood then there is an incentive there to protect those animals right and so it works because then you've got a system in play where you've got the national park and then as a buffer you've got all these private enterprises which are invested in protecting animals on their plot of land so in effect it creates like this buffer effect or cushion effect yeah. you know in protecting those animals it actually does make sense and it's funny because a lot of people strike it like the hunting model and hunting model works because it does and they know it works i think there's not one model better than the other i think they should definitely both coexist and that's the tourism model and the hunting model and they've seen the effectiveness of this in south africa because mm. it does work um, look i spent time out in private game reserves uh, I heard b both sides of the equation um, and what people believe in. And a lot of people stem and say, oh, it's a lot of money into one person's pocket and da-da-da and this and that. But it's just like, well, yeah, well, hold on one second. But this person's also uh, paying money for uh, building fences, putting security systems in play, paying local people, so the employment of local people to uh, act as anti-poaching, giving them firearms and all that kind of stuff. Because I spend a lot of time with those people as well. So it does work and for people like who's that guy that's all out against it i can't stand him i really can't stand him the guy from the us he hosts the oscars and he's like what's his name oh, um, and he's, he's funny ricky gervais i can't stand him yeah. oh. like, because he's got this sharp opinion on it and he's just like oh well you know if if, if you wanted to protect the animals instead, instead of spending fifty thousand dollars to go and shoot an elephant why wouldn't you just donate that money because at the end of the day humans want something in return yeah it's it's either like, you, you either you get it or you don't yeah. Like you want the cash to protect the animals, but someone people, won't spend it unless yeah. they get something from it. People like that have these firm opinions and perspectives without having any real world experience in those locations. Well, I was going to say, I like love it, Ricky Gervais, it, but he lives in like Kensington or wherever he well, lives he in. Doesn't, well, he yeah. doesn't spend time in the sunlight. Nah. He spends time in the spotlight. That's what he does. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so any kind of opinion that he has is formulated from a very singular mind frame. Yeah. If he goes out there and spends time in these places and sees what they're like, Mate, his mind frame will change pretty fast. Yeah. yeah. And they, they don't just offer up, you know, unlimited resources when it comes to killing an elephant. Like there's a, there'd be tags, wouldn't there? Like a certain amount of tags a year that you can use. Yeah, so they've got the quota system. So what happens is um, even in these hunting reserves, um, depending on the country, it's all governed under like um, uh, like a, like the national law. So you'll have parks and wildlife that come in there with a quota system and say, right, so this year they'll go around and drive around with ecologists. So there'll be like an ecologist, there'll be probably even a vet there, there'll be like three or four game wardens and they're driving around this reserve identifying the game. So they'll be like, right, so you've got, we've counted 34 wildebeest, we've counted 26 impala, we've counted whatever. And so they're counting all the animals and then based on that, that's how they develop the quota system because they deem what they call like uh, it's called carrying capacity. So they'll say for this area, this and this uh, bit of land can sustain so many animals. So this year we're going to let you hunt two Cape buffalo, um, nine impala, uh, three bushbuck, you know, two gazelles, and yeah. So they work it out based on like the offspring, like mm. generational rate and all that kind of stuff to make sure <laughs> that obviously the wildlife population isn't depleting to a point where they can't 
sustain it. Yeah. yeah. So it is very well managed. That's cool. Yeah. 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 It, it is. A, it is an interesting way to look at it because when you see like Ricky Gervais put out a tweet where it's got this beautiful giraffe or elephant or whatever it's been killed, you think, oh my god, that's horrifying. Sure. But then you don't see where that money goes. And I mean, you know, it's a hard one to defend, though. Obviously, it's a hard one to look at and go, yeah, but. But still, it does sort of make sense to an extent. Mm. When you're over there, is there fear? Is there that? Obviously, when people come to Australia, they're fearful of snakes and shit. But in reality, you don't really run into them that much, you know, unless you're out in the bush. Mm. What about with lions? What about with the big cats? Is that like... Even then, there's so much fear in those animals. And what I mean by that is strategically too. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest issues that can happen, particularly for a national park, imagine like a big national park like Kruger. Yeah. That relies on tourists coming in mm. and all that kind of stuff. Could you imagine the kind of effect it would have on the tourism, in the, you know, this is going, mm. if someone wants to be mauled by a lion? Yeah, yeah. Now, they've got uh, rules, sorry. They've got uh, rules which have been set in place which said do not enlighten from the car. And this is in pretty much all the national parks. So you're not allowed to get out of the vehicle. People do. Yeah. Uh, those animals have an instinctive fear because the rangers do put fear into those animals. Yeah, right. You know, they'll if they get too close to a car or whatever, you know, they'll you know, beat the horn yeah. or sometimes if there's a really great, they'll put a shot into the air. Wow. I've heard, yeah, many different things in terms of just trying to uh, curveball that type of behaviour. Yeah. Uh, having said that, uh, look, I have heard of other stories on like uh, game reserves and hunting reserves where people have been killed. Same videos. Yeah, people get out of their cars for photos and get yeah, taken. Yeah, taken. Well, they are, you know, they are opportunistic, but... I've always said the worst animal to deal with uh, is generally an animal which has been injured. Like if you if you wing shot a lion, you don't get a good shot on him, and then you walk through the bush trying to track him, and then Shit. he pops up, you are done. I can show you some other pictures of a guy that wounded a leopard, and they thought they had it down, and then this thing got over the top of him in six seconds. I think it was like 240, 240 stitches in six seconds. Oh, Mate, I'll show you the pictures. It made a mess. He survived. Made a mess of fuck. Him. And the guy was there with a gun. Couldn't do anything nah. because it was just throwing him around it's on too the dirt. Close, yeah. Going crazy. Um, but yeah, it's shit. The most dangerous things to do to deal with. And even like here in the Northern Territory, I've got, I've got a mate up there in the NT that um, he winged a buffalo. He thought he brought it down and started walking through long grass. And this thing popped up out of long grass. Uh, went head on with him. Gored him through the leg. It's lucky he didn't die. He ended up having to be flown. I think he was in Nullumboy. He was flown to Darwin. I had to get surgery and stuff. But oh. even Adam. Adam's had some close calls. I was going to say, was, you'd have to be pretty mad to get that close to a buffalo. A scrub. Uh, yeah, I think he had a close call. with a scrub bull. Uh, had to get up into a tree. And it's the same kind of thing. An didn't animal. you try and... Didn't you nearly get run over by a scrub bull? Water ball? buffalo? Yeah, water, water buffalo. Yeah, water, yeah, we, I've almost we, been done a couple of times. Oh, you've been oh, done a lot. This is about a decade ago. So what are you doing here? You, uh, was, you're way too close. Your shirt's off. Got the rig out again. <laughs> I was Looking yet. outstanding. Well, I was 20, 23 years old there, right? So the, the lion itself has come out of frame. It's no you, longer... You can see... Look yeah. at... Oh, why would you turn your back, you fucking lunatic? <laughs> well, so what's what's going on here? Ta talk us through it. Talking in Chinese. Um, they're <laughs> laying on the ground... <laughs> Like a wounded animal. You're acting like a wounded animal there. Yeah. But they're not. <laughs> you know, Is that like funny. these prank Look, channels? Like, what are you. No, no, no. They're, they're off. Um, what's interesting, you know what's interesting, though? Whenever I'd approach a, uh, a pride of lions, you know, the first thing that they would do if they just saw me coming out of nowhere, they would all stand up, they'd look, and then they'd look behind them. Oh. 
Why is that? Like a distraction, ah, or because because lions used to be hunted back in the day by the by the uh, by the tribes, particularly like the Maasai Mara. They used yeah. to hunt them, wow. so they were used to being ambushed. Yeah, you know what I mean. And that's like instinctive knowledge. So as soon as they'd look at me, they'd wow, what, that's what's, cool. what's, com- what's coming behind me? They used to use ridgebacks to hunt lions. That's is right. that yeah. R- R- Rhodesian ridgebacks Rhodesian. were bred to hunt lions? Yeah, yeah. Wow. What a fucking loose breeder dog that is. Because part of the reason was they were good. I think they were good at. Um, Chasing the lions and then yeah. bailing them up without obviously attacking because they'd be killed. But yeah. they could just stand. Sort of hurt them a little bit. Hurt them? Yeah. Whereas yeah, if, you, if you took a pit bull, he'd be done. <laughs> he'd be all over. Where, um, like, how long have you been doing this for? Oh, child, mate. And like, how, like, how did you get into seven, eight years old, like, wrangling beasts? Yeah, I was, this is like, as a kid, unreal. As a kid in the back of West Dapto, probably because I was from Dapto, right? Yeah, the water. <laughs> for sure. Uh, from Dapto. <laughs> um, I went out as a kid catching... Uh, I, I, that was actually without... Oh, this is... Funny what are you doing to this poor buffalo? He's inseminating it. Insem- <laughs> that was a water buffalo in, oh, in Arnhem Land. Actually, you, almost, you almost bloody gets me here, eh? Adam was filming this. Look at the size of it. Yeah, they're a big animal. They Ready? are big. As soon as I go to the front side of him, he's like, I'm not going to have that. Didn't like that. Oh, boy. Oh, oh. <laughs> Did he get you? No, he tried to. Jesus yeah. Christ. I almost put a horn in my bum. <laughs> what? Yeah, I was laughing and Adam, Adam's face went white because he was like, mate. He almost got you. Yeah, right. fucking like, ah, over. Right, he did. It's all good. <laughs> Look at you. You're still there. You lunatic. <laughs> no, he's he's pretty tired up there. Oh yeah. Uh, but you know, you know, it's worse I think than dealing with a water buffalo. Dealing with a scrub bull. I really don't like them. Mate. So like the big pigs, eh? The big pigs can be dangerous. Yeah. Too. yeah. Oh, is that what they, what? they they like that? The scrub bulls or nah, what? No. So scrub bulls Scrubble's like cows, so it's they? a wild yeah a wild cow uh, like a wild bull that's kind of just made its way into the bush and has just lost all kind of forms of domestication like through generations, and they can be a real handful. They eh? like proper dangerous. Yeah. There's a, been a couple of guys killed by them. Eh? We got charged by a um at Adam's farm by one of those you know the cows with the big long horns. Hundred percent. Yeah, no, what are Ooh, they called? I can't uh, remember what they're called. Is it, no, it looks like a yak. Yeah, you know, milkshake. Yeah, 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 yeah one of those ones. One of one of his brothers is a big cow mm. called milkshake, a real mm. nice little thing. And uh, didn't you and Adam save milkshake? Or was that Adam and someone else? That wasn't me. No, what happened to milkshake? So milkshake was <laughs> one of these cows, these hairy cows, was just left by itself. Uh-huh. And then it sort of just disappeared away from its mother and Adam didn't find it for a while and then found it and they raised it. Now it's like... Almost domestic. It's beautiful. Uh, But there's another one with these big fucking horns. And it just started walking behind Claire, Kimmy and I and just sort of started running and moving real quick. And I sort of looked and I went, oh, Adam, (laughs) what are we doing? (laughs) Should this be doing this? And he just just made a noise and it ran away. But I I sort of froze. I panicked. I was just like, fuck, there's a giant cow coming towards me. What are you doing in this situation? I didn't run. I didn't move. I didn't scream. I just was like, green tree, save me. (laughs) (laughs) Adam. Because that's what you do in that situation. You look for green trees. Absolutely. Or or, or a tree of any size. Yeah, Yeah, a green tree. To get behind or up. Any type of tree. Green tree or tree. But even even a water buffalo or a scrub bull, you get behind a tree, he'll get you out from behind the tree, eh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he'll get you out. You'll get you out from behind it. Well, look at the size of this this head of this buffalo here. Like that is a big head. That is a big head. Like yeah. it's a scary sized animal. Yeah. Well, that and that's the thing when that comes over the top or over the top of you. Oh, the weight. Yeah, the weight. The weight. The weight in itself is enough to kill you. Well, you can see all the calcification mm. on that skull from it ramming into other animals. I imagine mm. that's what it's sort of been doing, or head button shit. And, mm. Yeah. Scary. Before I forget, because I saw something you posted, and I see it all. The what time. was it? Right, 
another sighting of the Black Panther. Let's talk. Right. Go. Oh, me. Oh, you want me to talk about it? Well, what do you... Okay, because I, okay, I, yeah, I've, yeah, got yeah. A sharp, I've got a sharp answer on it. Okay, so there's a mate of mine, Green Tree. It always starts. Yeah, yeah. Go. Green Tree and I are going to go next week hunting for the Black Panther. Mm-hmm. So if you're in town, you're very welcome. Let me know because there's a Yeti out there that I want to find as well. well what are you doing next? next? Imagine if you're catching both. What are you doing next? Uh, and another okay. honey badger. Next I'm going to break it to you this way. What are you doing next Saturday? Let's do it. That Black Panther has been sighted since the 1950s. And if have you read the records from it? How? No. Okay. So the records started. It's, what we and need. it's, it's legitimate. We need you it in was, this clip, it in was this brought, show. So back in the day when the US was doing uh, military training in Australia, they would bring over uh, mascots. That was actually a common thing. So like a bear or like a panther. And it's actually noted there's actually records of them bringing over these mascot animals in particular a black panther. Now, at the time, there was a circus that was in Australia that, once again, there was a record of a black panther being released. I don't know the time difference between them, but there's been two confirmed reports, right? Known reports of black panthers being released into the Australian outback. Hectic. So you're saying, but wildlife wait. legend... Andrew Eucles is saying that two Panthers coexisted, made love. I wouldn't say coexisted because I don't know the time. <laughs> You're saying that they coexisted, <laughs> made love, and this rumour is true. Right. Now, talking to scientists, talking to biologists, for there to be any kind of su- sustainable population of any animal on Earth, there needs to be at least 13 Breeding pairs. Okay. Oh. 13 pairs. Yes, for genetic diversity. Okay, so diversity 26. 26 for those who are playing. Let's just keep that in mind. Let's also keep in mind the age of, a, let's just say it was three years old or whatever, and how long that they lived for in the wild. Let's just say it had a good run and lived for 10 years. Okay. Mm. We're facing a number of problems already. First, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gabe just groaned. First, <laughs> I don't like your attitude, but go on. First first of which is this. Um, okay. Could it survive? The first question is, can it survive in the Australian outback? I think the quick answer to that is yes, it could. You know, with a population of small mammals like possums, uh, kangaroos, wallabies, I believe, in the Blue Mountains, that's where the, all the sightings have happened, like Lithgow area and all that yep. kind of stuff. Could it survive out there? Yeah, it could. You know, there's enough canopy structure out there, particularly for a black panther that spends a lot of time up in the trees, you know, semi-arboreal. Uh, we're talking about an animal that would definitely have um, much better senses, I feel, than any of the Australian animals because they're not used to anything being above mm. head height when being approached. Um, we're talking about an animal that's probably got amazing visual acuity, excellent hearing. You wouldn't be able to see him coming. You know, trying to spot him is going to be very difficult. But let's let's just fast forward to 2023. With the amount of roads, with the amount of bushwalkers, with the amount of trial cams which are out there, with the amount of hunters which are out there at any given time, with the amount of development, uh, human encroachment, X, Y, Z, the fact that these animals have a home range of over, uh, I think, 50 to 60 kilometres or even more, you know, for a panther, panther species, this animal would have popped up somewhere. In fact, I can almost guarantee you, if they were to take a black panther out of Taronga Zoo, today or a pair and drop them into the blue mountains i guarantee you within two weeks those animals would pop up and i'm going to tell you why for a number of reasons 
<laughs> can, can I just can I just say oh, I'm we, sorry I'm we, shutting we, I'm we shutting can't release pimp. this podcast until oh. after you do the thing with Green I'm shutting, I'm shutting the Black Panther thing down <laughs> and, and then and then when you guys don't find Cats, it we can clip when this when I was and in the Amazon <laughs> when I was in the Amazon then and I was setting up all the game cameras trying to get all these elusive species what I was quick to notice is all the game cameras that I'd set up on the logging path so distinctive paths the, even if I was in the thickest parts of jungle setting up cameras and stuff, I wouldn't get any activity of the cats. Yeah. So the margays, the oslets, the the pumas, the panthers, the the jaguars, all, all that kind of stuff. I would not get any kind of activity unless it was on the path. Cats love following paths, even if it's a human made, made path. Yeah, right. Reason being, it's the easiest way to get from point A to point B. In this docker, I'm going to have it's, that clip play like in like up in Adam and my when sort you, of... When you got the panther. No, we're, 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 <laughs> we're talking about paths and it just crosses to you sort of elusively like cats loves paths. I'll play that yeah, right yeah, there. Paths. It'll be perfect. Um, so they love following paths. Like they're notorious for following paths. It's the quickest way to get from point A to point B. Also in terms of strategy, in terms of moving through the jungle, very quiet when they're moving on the path and they're trying to creep up on something. Good visually because they can see what's in front of them because it's cleared. Um, so let's just break this down into the Blue Mountains National Park, for example. Um, depending on where you are, a lot of places, soft sand. A, a, a panther print is going to stick out like a sore thumb. I'm sorry. Like panther balls. It is, <laughs> it is, it is quite observable, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you're definitely going to see that. Not just that. Um an animal which is, you know, there's a lot of people that take dogs out there and dogs off the chain. Mm. If a dog chases a panther, you know what it does? Well, you know how you know how the hunts in the US, what's the first thing it does? Whoop, goes strap into a tree. Yeah, yeah. Right. From the second that that owner's got to go retrieve their dog 100 meters from the track and it's barking up at a panther in a tree, don't think for a split second that they're not going to go, holy shit, there's a 140 kilo panther. Imagine the that. Of the tree. Let me, is that how big they get? Let me just do that. 140 kilos. Maybe I'm over exaggerating. No, no, leave it. 140. I like 140 kilos. 240 kilos. kilos. But you know, you know what I'm saying. This animal would have popped up. Yeah. From day, those, those animals someone would have. The animals that went out from the mascot or from the they would have died. I think probably within maybe six months or a year's yeah. time. I reckon. I think it's nothing more than great media. It's a great story. Everyone naturally wants to believe it's there. Fuck it's yeah. like the Tasmanian tiger. Everyone yeah. naturally wants to believe it's there. The reality of the situation is. Um, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly what I'd expect a government-funded shill to say. He's a panther, a he's a panther shill. By, by you're the a way, shill, mate. By the way, well, I've locally been employed by the Australian government yeah. to say that. You're big, a, big, you're pan, a, big panther. He's a part of Big Panther, yeah. <laughs> I talked to a good friend of mine, Forrest Galante, because he does Extinct or Alive, yeah. on yeah. Animal Planet, and I talked to Forrest about this with the Tasmanian Tiger because he went into research. He's like, what do you think and stuff? And he actually talked to someone by the name of, uh, I think his name is Nick Mooney, that had the last reported sighting of a Tasmanian tiger wow. within, uh, I don't know which national park it was in Tasmania, but it was in, I believe it was the early 80s, or it could have been the mid 80s, yeah. and it was believed to have been extinct in Hobart Zoo in 1920, something like that. Yep. Yeah. That, that, that's when they believed that's it, closed door. But then 60 years later, one had popped up crossing the path. Now, I don't, I've never met the guy, I don't believe this guy had anything to gain from it whatsoever and his procedure was obviously very professional it was caught, it was all kept in-house he uh it obviously had a boardroom meeting and said listen i've seen this thing i've seen this this creature this creature 
Um, walked across the road. It's a Tasmanian tiger. He's a ranger. He knows his animals. He's not going to mix it up for a bloody mm. a Tasmanian devil or a wallaby or whatever. He knew what he saw and said, we need to get some experts in here. We need to shut this place down. And they did. They shut it down like Jurassic Park. They got uh, researchers in from the US that were cat specialists that came in to do the research to see if they could actually track this animal down and find it. I think they spent six weeks. It was a full government thing. Right, It was all kept quiet. They ended up finding absolutely nothing. But... I I don't believe I don't he didn't have anything to gain from this no. wasn't a tourism plug like yeah. to keep the spirit alive like there's that idiot out there that he, he swears he spots one once a weekend <laughs> he's also a sponsor of VB but as dad yeah <laughs> 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 that's wild man but um the Tasmanian tiger that's a sensitive topic for Tasmanians that thoroughly believe it's there once again I think the same kind of analogy for the black panther yeah. can be used for this animal huge home range let's 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 wind it back why was it killed out <clears throat> I always start with why yeah, why was why, it why? it was killed out because it was a pest yeah. to the farmers right and any animal which is easy to become extinct you got to start saying well why is it easy to become extinct okay they're quite a large animal quite easy to get a shot on like the size of a dingo let's just say they're an opportunist they're a scavenger. Essentially, they were fearless because they had no predators on the ground. Um, they would have been the same way as a dingo to a campsite. Quite literally, you know, they almost didn't have a sense of fear. Anything that doesn't have a sense of fear, I can tell you right now, that's a very easy animal to kill. Mm. That's why they were easy to kill. Mm. You know? Says the man who uh, <laughs> dealt with the uh, honey badger. Right. Well, and I think... You know, you look at Tasmania. Once again, the amount of roadkill that would happen in Tasmania, yeah. you think for an opportunistic animal like that, someone would have seen one walking down the road and being like, Oi, yeah. we've, we've got one here. So what we've, do you And think- trust me, and then it would be, everyone wants, every biologist, every wildlife enthusiast yeah. I've ever met, every person that's ever loved animals or dinosaurs in the bath, right? Wants to be the person to yep. find one. Yep. Yeah. And there's been so many people that went out there doing illegal expeditions in national parks, I know this, into remote areas trying to get evidence and find one. They haven't found one. Yeah. And they've taken trial cameras. Everyone's tried to get the, that billion dollar shot. It's not there. It's extinct. They're going to bring it back though. You were saying before about the, was it the Yeti? No, I was going to say, so you can't find the Black Panther, but the Yeti. No, that doesn't exist though. Come on. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what about the Yeti? Look, uh, the, indigenous, the indigenous people had some amazing... Um, you know, part of their dream time about sightings. And I've even talked to friends which have seen things there. I've never personally seen anything out there. But um, I think with the conveying of the recollection of events of what they've seen out in the bush and the way they've told the story, could there be something out there that sits on a different wavelength that we haven't yet seen? Maybe. Well, that's what I was going to say. Maybe. I spoke to this bloke, Ron, many years ago, and I went up and filmed... uh, video up in the Glasshouse Mountains in um, uh, the Sunshine Coast. Now, awesome part of the world, amazing big mountain there that the local Indigenous population believe actually looks like a Yowie's head and that's why they think they actually climb up there. Okay. I don't know, if you if you can pull up that video, it's, heard, the, it's the opening shot. Yeah. If you pull up that video, it's um, just look up my name and uh, Yowie. The opening shot is this big, beautiful... Oh, oh he, yeah, he had a story from Western Australia that puts really? shivers up your bloody spine, eh? Well, what's can we? Do you want to come in and do you want to jump on, on on the mic and yeah, yeah, yeah jump on. This I'll is jump out. I got to go to the loo anyway, so jump one. in. Yeah. So this this is the mountain I'm talking about. This one here, the local indigenous population okay. believe it looks like uh, a yowie's head, um, and 
that the owies actually live up in that mountain. So this this Ron dude, he he told me basically he's just this older guy. He had no reason to lie, like what you're talking about the other yeah, bloke. Nothing to gain from And he was just walking, never interested in yowies or anything like that, walking along the trail one day and he said there was this eight foot tall, giant, uh, hairy creature. <laughs> <laughs> Straight out of Oxford Street in the middle of Pride. <laughs> so so tell me, if you can introduce yourself to the microphone as well, that'd be great. And and explain what what what, what are you talking about? Um mate, I'm just coming coming one, one of uh one of Andrew's uh many, many friends. Um I love the bush. Spent a lot of time in the bush myself as well. Um, yeah, my name's Dingo. Everyone knows me as Dingo. I'm hey, Dingo. Dingo. How you okay. going? Um, me and my not Mrs. Well, not wife at the time. We um, we done a big trip around Australia. So we spent a little under two years driving around um, Australia. Longest drive you can do around the Australian continent. Seen a lot of things. You know, um, I've spent a lot of time in the bush previous. Never, you know, uh, never feared anything. Comfort, you know, it's it's something where a lot of people go to to relax mm. and you know uh, find their zen. Um, even though having said that, it's been that long in the bush, like where you know uh, the, the bush was our toilet, was our shower, was everything, you know, as you do. And um, so like it's just it's just your backyard, you know. <clears throat> so we'd spent quite a while. Uh, we you know we stuck up and down for a bit. We made the best of it. Um, Andrew come up. We spent a lot of time together. We done you know, a lot of mucking around, a bit of filming here and there and whatnot, and seen a lot of cool things and. Got comfortable, a lot more comfortable with Crocs and, um, you know, uh, learning a lot about, you know, different different aspects of all that kind of stuff as well. Um, to the story, so we'd spent, we've already been on the road for quite a while. And by this point, we were heading for, we're in, what's that, Shark Bay area. Um, so, so this is like, you know, Exmouth? The westernmost mm. part yep. of the Australian the, continent. That WA coastline, yep. there's a very, there's a number of remote strips that run <coughs> along that coastline there. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So... From here, and mind you as well, so I don't, like, you know, aliens and blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. No, no interest at all. Um, you know, raised, again, you know, religious, so, you know, I fear nothing or, you know, whatnot as well. People, and I know, like, mate, my beard was, you know, three times the length of yours, the hair to follow as well, didn't show, Beautiful. you know, proper Bushman, you probably know. Probably Yowie. <laughs> yeah, probably yeah. Yowie. I'm the Yowie yeah, everyone's yeah, looking yeah. for. Here I am, guys. I come to you. Ah. I caught you. Nah. Anyway, so we, you know, by this point, we'd sort of, we, what's that, that? Place called where the um, the stromatolites are. Um, we kind of made base out of there. I remember the road's called Useless Loop. It's it's we're heading out to a spot called Steep Point, which is the westernmost part of the Australian continent. Done the eastern, done the northern, you know, a few times, and you know now it's time to tick off the western. We've been advised by a few people not to head out there. It's um you know uh, it's a rough road um, that consists of once you leave this um this uh this park um sort of where we were where we were based um. And, you know, you've got a little bit of road, a little bit of tar road, sorry, goes into a bit of gravel, a um, lot of corrugations. Then we get into a bit of sand dune country, you know, sort of salt bush, you know, no big trees and that. Then we get on to like sort of, we're driving along the cliff sort of, you know, thing, and then out to the westernmost part of the Australian continent. Beautiful country. And, you know, highly recommend for, you know, mate, I've never seen so much without being in uh, the ocean like marine life, you know, whales, sharks, you know, you can, you know, we weren't even using like hooks on the end of a, on the end of a line, a leaf, a bit of, you know, whatever bag or, or paper bag, throw it in and you hook up to something guaranteed, yeah. guaranteed, you know? So great fishing, great everything, had an awesome, I think we're out there for three days. You've got to tell, ring ahead, tell the station you're heading out there, blah, 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 maybe keep a record or whatever. Now we had some, you know, a, a beautiful, a beautiful time out there, um, you know, because it is probably one of my highlights of Western Australia as well. 
and we spent the day fishing um or a couple of hours fishing uh took a couple of photos we watched the sun go down on you know a a, a beautiful ocean you know it goes down it's nice and red you know whales are breaching every like you know 15 seconds and it's all this is like magic you know just had like such an amazing time you know there and um by this point um my missus is like, you know, we've got to get going. Go down before the sun goes down. You don't want to drive sunset because that's you're going to get like your, um, you know, uh, wildlife, heat kangaroos and stuff. And because we lived on the road, we were obviously, you know, trying to look after and do the, do the right thing. So we started, we left there um, a little bit later because I couldn't stop fishing. Like, let's just enjoy this and then we'll go afterwards. So it's one of the few times that we drove at night. Um, now we left this place, um, Steep Point. Um, we started heading back. So by this stage, we've done all the cliff. Um, we got into the sand dunes, done all the sand dunes. And then, you know, in my truck, I've got an old 80 series, you know, uh, cruiser. Windows are down. You know, there's no stereo. It's the corrugations. Everything's just rattling. The ears are ringing, you know, um, as they have been for the past two years. And, um, you know, we start, we get into like this sort of salt bush country, you know, with the corrugations, red road, probably like, you know, uh, a, a standard sort of, you know, uh, lane wide plus half you know like not that wide if a mm. car come you'd have to really get off the side of the road sort of thing not that there was much out there i think might have seen like maybe five cars in three days which is pretty good now we've been driving for a bit right um and nice flat you can see for ages there's no big trees there's nowhere to hide you know you feel if a person was standing you could you'd have to like you know get down sort of thing to hide and but it's all thick you know what you, what was there which is about sort of waist high a bit higher than waist high Probably my waist high, your gotcha. lower knee high, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, you know, it's and, and it's just like that's, but it was thick. Yeah. So we're driving along, driving, driving, driving. Got all my lights on as you do, light bars and like kind of rubbish. Plenty of light. We're doing forty k's per hour. That's the best speed for the corrugations at the time. With how much I let down my tires, just to get that nice flow to you know flow over all the corrugations. And there was a slight raise in the road, right at this point. So it's a slight raise, and then sort of goes down like this, and then off. You know. Now I'm driving along forty k's per hour. And it's been a little while, you know, I'm just concentrating on the road, whatever. Ash is doing her thing. Drive, drive, drive. And then, you know, as we sort of rise up like this, come in the opposite direction, right, was this, this thing that I've never, I've never, I, I, I can't relate it to any other animal. Um, love animals, love reptiles, love, you know, all this kind of stuff. But it wasn't anything like this. Um, how it was, you know, like, like uh, it was structured in in a, in a way was was unlike anything I'd ever seen before. It was um, it was really hard to take in every portion of it. So when it was it was um, you know sort of coming towards us, you know, on the other side of the road, um, how it was moving was so so weird and and unique that your attention was drawn just as much to the way it was moving than that itself itself, if that makes sense, you know. It would have been, like its waist would have been no thicker than, you know, you know, maybe a little bit thicker than like your thigh, like the average person's thigh, right? The, the, the colour of it would have been like a black, the whole thing was black, right, with a little bit of texture, but not, not such that it reflected a light. Like, you know, you can see sort of, you know, shapes and stuff. It was kind of like a matty sort of satin matte sort of, you know, uh, texture like nothing I can sort of see. Uh, kind of like timber, but, you know, not, not timber. Um, its legs, um, you know, so its body being thin like this and its, and its 
legs, you know, um, you know, we're, we're quite thin. What was unique about it as well, how the, the knees would bend, you know, you, you stand up and you crouch and the knee would bend, you know, to the front. It would, it, it looked like it came down to the back before, you know, it sort of came in like this as well. So very, very, you know, like uh, emu. You know, so is this like up? This. Is this standing upright? So it's, 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 it's standing and it's, it was running down the opposite direction. Um, so I'm doing say 40 k's this way, and I've come up to a bit of a bit of a crest of this slight incline, and it was coming the other direction, right? I'd say going the same speed, and as we passed, you know, it came into view. It's like one, two, three, like that as it went past, and it was kind of like not, not like running, not hopping like a kangaroo. It's kind of like I don't know. It was just this weird motion how it was moving. And because of this, it was really hard to sort of take it in and see exactly what it was. The legs definitely were like this. The arms, it, it looked like a creature that would comfortably travel on all fours, but, you know, like a frill neck lizard, you know, and then you, you rattle him and he'll, he'll jump up and, he's, and he'll sort of take off, you know, like this. That's what it was like. How tall? So the only discrepancy between what I would have seen and my wife, as she would describe, she, I would say that it would have been as high as the roof rack on my truck, right? She says it's a, as tall as a tall person, but it was like, you know, it was... Big? Yeah, either way it's bigger than me. So... You know, it's quite large. And its arms, you know, were in and it was like sort of tucked as it was running kind of thing. Its its body went up, it was quite, you know, quite slender, weird. And its neck looked like the head. I couldn't describe, but the head was like the neck. It so was this hasn't been the first sighting of this creature either. That's the interesting thing. That's where it gets even more interesting. I've never, I've never, I've never personally seen anything. I don't know. Like I don't that, know what it's apparently, called. I can show you something that it looks kind yeah. of a bit like. Yeah, please. Because even the indigenous people of that area believe there's something out there. Yeah. Once again, <sighs> look, I'm a man of science as well. Very cynical, but when there is if a number, you me, when, when there are, the yeah, world. when there's a number of reports coming about that suggestion, which are all describing the same thing, yeah, it makes you do question that a lot. You know, like. I, I seen it, right? Mm -hmm. And like, again, I have no interest. I've got no, I'm not into, like the panther thing I did chase and you know, it was a few times. I'm not sure if we went out one time with that one with the, the mother and the daughter seen that thing and it was, it was like a black wallaby or something. You know, it's, it's tail was up running through. Oops, sorry. And, um, you know, like, you know, but, you know, I seen it and it ran past and I completely froze, completely froze. I had nothing holding the steering wheel, hair stuck up on end. I couldn't breathe. I literally couldn't breathe. The first, like, you know, proper shock, as if I just seen something. You know, mate, took seen a ghost. Took mate, a ghost. I'm not, I'm not a ghost. Anything, you know, nothing. You know, I had nothing. And for about 15 seconds, I tried to process this thing, right? And um, you know, I, I by the time I sort of like, it, my throat locked up. What did your missus say? I turned to my missus right after about 15 seconds, and she was white, like white wow and i said to her i remember it like it was yesterday i said to her i swear i just seen the craziest thing and then she described it back to me what what i just seen mate and i just like oh i can't like i'm shaking now even thinking about wow. it no no exaggeration and i'll tell you now like 100 percent. if she didn't say she's seen the same thing mate oh, there's no way in the world i'd be yeah. you know like i would 100 percent convince myself tripping yeah, <laughs> no yeah. way in the world you know what i mean not that there could be know, a dimensional thing like i don't know this is yeah. what i was going to say talk with, about different dimensions with ron and times and my mate ron up in the glasshouse mountains he said you can't find these creatures because they're interdimensional they walk in and out of different dimensions mm. you, you you look up and i thought that was ridiculous but i mean shit 
who who, who you, you don't know well yeah well i you look up and this is this is um years afterwards actually and i can show you messages from when it was and i'm asking a lot of people questions right i actually asked a ranger a mm. couple of days later um because we we're heading south and we found this camp spot you know um and the ranger come down told us you know can't camp here as they do and um you know he's he, he explained to uh, i'm like you know i have to say something someone must have seen it's just two you know and as i'm i'm sort of you know i'm explaining to him the story and he's uh he's like no nah, no nah, just sort of shut down like nothing you know, like i guess what anyone would i would do the same thing you know and i'm thinking to myself far this is probably something i shouldn't be talking about because you know you hear all these things and people you know going missing and, and and you know if you look into this like oh no, and again i don't believe in this. this is just when i've told this story to a few people they've told me oh yeah if you look up this story blah blah mm. blah and then old mate went missing or whatever and i'm thinking to myself i am that 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 shocked me that much that 100 percent i've always felt uncomfortable to even talk about it you know not to mention sound crazy i can do that without telling that story um, because it does it sounds ridiculous yeah but, yeah yeah but people have it's, these stories about so many different things and if if you sort of shorten the neck a little ah, bit, ah, that's fucking gross. If you shorten the neck a little bit, and I don't remember a tail. Can or, we or can we look that up, Gabe? What, what, yeah. Look that up and throw that up because that's creepy <clears throat> as. Yeah. I wouldn't believe anyone. You know, no yeah. way, no way in the world. You know, I'd say, yeah, you know, because it's not like it's a Tasmanian it's tiger and it's nah. a fox with mange or something nah. like that. This right. is a different. Completely, mm, completely different yeah. looking yep. species. I spoke to you. Uh, straight, I spoke to Andrew. You know, anything, anything, nothing, nothing. Nah. It's the full definition well, of a cryptoid. Uh, well, isn't I'm, straight away, I'm trying to break down in my mind. You know, is it a? Is it someone playing a prank dressed as something? That's the first thing that comes to mind. No. A, it's someone dressed. No. B, if Look at that. B, if it's something which is almost to a T. You know, like when when I because I remember you showing me this. I thought, well, maybe it mm. was a. A very sick big kangaroo no. or something, you know. I know what a kangaroo looks like. Yeah. I've seen sick kangaroos. Um, I just, yeah, but I don't, I don't know. Maybe there is. I, I, I don't know. <clears throat> Even if it was a person, to me, until something, until something rocks up, you know. There's a, th a thousand things running from my mind to tell me. Mm. It could be, it could be this, it could be this, but no, a kangaroo, man. Mm. This, it was so like it was nothing even if you th a thin kangaroo it's still got its mm. its ribs it's still big it's still yeah. you know what i mean like it's well, it has shaped. a bone structure that you can you see can't the bone, shrink it too you know? much yeah. if it was that yeah. small you'd see the bone yeah, yeah, yeah. you know i could see the texture of its skin i'd see ribs you know what i mean if it was that mm -hmm. thin mm -hmm. or, or malnourished you'd see you'd it'd be evident you when, when I mean? we were up looking for the yowie and, and on to your point of being genuinely scared mm. and, and like you you, you panic. We were doing these wood knocks. If you're familiar with the wood knocks, you mm. get a stick, you communicate by hitting a tree. Mm. And we would do it, and then all of a sudden, we heard a reply. Now, I was thinking, okay, there must the guides we were with must have teed up. We had a local Indigenous lady who felt like she was connected with, with the land and she could find these creatures better than others. And she may well have – she was a very nice lady. She may well have done that. I don't know. Mm. Uh, we treated her with respect because, fuck, we're coming into their land. They all live around this area. I don't know shit. They might be absolutely right. They might be full of shit. Mm. She was doing these wood knocks and we heard it. We thought maybe she teed up someone else. Sure. But maybe she didn't. Mm. And she was walking down. It was completely pitch black. And she's like, oh, I there's, a, there's a yowie. There's two small yowies on this side and there's one over here. Mm. And maybe she was full of shit. But mm. I was genuinely scared. Mm. Like We've done all these ghost hunts mm. and all that type of stuff. I've been scared. I've been creeped out. Mm. 
but never have I feared that something really bad could happen. Mate, oh, all our peas and poos, mate, were all done before the sun went down after that. I bet. Te- like genuinely terrified. I bet. Legit, you know. Mm. Wow, and that's fascinating. Yeah. And I, I went, in, you know, indigenous as well. We know mm. some, um, you know, some, some, uh, uh, you know, what are they, um, what's old, mate? What would you class him as, you know? Like elders and stuff elders, as well mate. that from from Arnhem we've got like you know um, uh, friends and that out there that we I ask questions and stuff and can you make any sense of this and explain the whole story and you know he would you know give me an idea it could be something like this it's magic and you know yeah. not to be worried about things and um, but they've yeah all, they've I've, all got stories and all the yeah. different parts of Australia throughout history yeah. have these stories of whether it's the little hairy people or whether it's um, mm. you know the Yowie <laughs> or whatever you 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 may have seen. You look at if you Stein. look at the area. So a couple of years later, there's a um, oh, I can't remember what news um, thing they had actually a special on um, UFO sightings and stuff afterwards, right? And um, I didn't know this until this time that there's there's got like some American base that's out there that that they I've, I've heard of this, yeah. And they had a, they had a special was it not like a current mm. affair or something, but they so had this a isn't special. Pine Gap this is or anything like that. No, no, no that's that's the territory. That's a territory. So yeah. This is the westernmost part of the yep, Australian colony. Yep. You get Australia and go all yep. the way to that side, and that's where we are. Like yeah, quite literally. Yeah. Um, I'm not even. Sh- yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> no. I've got I've got <laughs> nothing on it. Um, uh, yeah. You don't want to talk about it. They'll hey. come for you. I've heard, I've heard, I heard about it and what they do and all that kind of stuff. Oh, we'll talk about it off air. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah, yeah. yeah if I go missing, then you know not to talk about it yeah. at all. I don't want to. <laughs> I, I'm a big fan of the Americans. Good work. <laughs> um, all the power to you. Well, gentlemen, thank you very much for coming along. I appreciate it. We never saw Bluey. He disappeared. Um, he's gone. The podcast, <laughs> the podcast did get. So I uh, tell you what, you because that does shit on your story about uh, a fucking honey badger. Like Jesus oh, Christ! Wait, 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 the dash cam. Yeah. Mate, she knew what I was it talking about. It could have been a billion dollar shot. Oh. When does your show come out, mate? I don't know. So I've got to sit down. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. I've got to sit down with a production company. Okay. So I've got to cut together a trailer. I've got to put a synopsis together and just a catalogue of all the content that i got. Sit down with someone and say, hey, this is what we've got. How can we piece this together? That's the next, as you know, how, you know, Dawn's It takes a while. Well, that's the And the thing that's frustrated me is I've got the Netflix series. I don't know if it's going to come to Australia. Yeah, uh, it's in the UK. It's in Ireland. It pops up in Discovery. Uh, I don't know when it's coming to Australia. They keep me out of loop on that. It's incredibly frustrating. I don't know if you've dealt with distributors before and that kind of space. It's a whole world you can't you can't access. It's no, no, quiet, all in the dark. Everything to do with royalties yep. in the dark. Don't have a clue. How's it doing? We don't know. Yeah, I don't know nothing. I, I don't. I actually don't know nothing, and it's crazy because people ask me all the time, and I'm just like, "Well, you should know. Like, your your your, your content's your out show, there. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, it's on Netflix here and there. Oh, no, I don't know. I don't have a clue. I don't know. <laughs> well, go and check out Andrew Eucles <laughs> on his Instagram, <laughs> and uh, and, D- and Dingo's uh, got he's got a ghost hunting show coming out too right. in uh, no, no in WA. But uh, I'd rather not. Thank you, thank you, gentlemen, for your <laughs> time. You. I really appreciate thank it. You so ladies much. and gents, uh, Bluey. Good on you, mate. Thanks, Bluey. Legend. <laughs> See you later, ladies and gents. Make sure you bloody, I don't know, Gabe, what do you want me to tell them? Tell the people. 
Subscribe, right? Subscribe and rape. Let's do it. Jeez. I said rape, not rape. All right, bye. I was say bye. Say, what the hell? <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.